Welcome to the Let's Explore podcast. My name is Lane McCall, and I'm here with Don Keithley and Darren Begley. Don, is a, he's been a pastor for 48 years. He's the president of Global Grace Seminary, and he teaches in his digital cathedral on YouTube on Sundays. And Darren's been a pastor for 25 years. He's the founder of Key to Justice Ministries and is the author of a book called I Am Identified. And this, we've been having a great time over the past uh, three sessions, and this is the fourth one together. And uh, we're getting into a hot subject. <laughs> we're talking about heaven and we're talking about is hell. That a pun? <laughs> There's a little pun and some bad humor there. But uh, heaven and hell, like this is the big, this is the big get you into church message. Hell is hot. Don't go there. Come to heaven. And by the way, here's your ticket. His name is Jesus. And believe this and pray this and you're in. Now, you guys have probably in your decades of ministry at one point, believed that way. I used to believe that way. Um, then you, Darren, you were raised in a real. You said you've heard it. You heard it every Sunday. Oh yeah, heaven yeah. hell. It was heaven hell rapture. Uh, you know, fire and brimstone, and and um, you know the biggest thing that that shifted me. Um, and this is, I mean, I could preach two hours on this, but. I, I literally was at a time in my life where I was in the biggest dope bust in United States history. I was dating the head of the uh, Bandito's girlfriend, didn't know it, and was driving his car, snorting his coke, uh, smoking his weed. Um, we just had a showdown at Will Rogers Airport on an extortion ring. Um, I had just a month earlier left my boss's house um her little year old child was in the floor i was sitting in a rocking chair um 30 minutes after i leave she gets um raped and murdered and so then when all this stuff came down all this came down at once on me so you know the drugs with the company the rape the everything you know and and um of course, you know, I'd been running from God and, you know, I guess use religious terms. Uh, I left the church, didn't want nothing to do with it because, you know, I wasn't going to make it anyway. Mm. And I was I was doing crank back then. And um, when you're doing crank, you try to get in and try to get in bed before the sun goes up or sun comes up just to try to get some sleep because you're just, you know, usually you're up three or four days on this stuff. And uh, I look beside my bed. There's a big old Bible there my mom had gave me and. And um, I said, God, if you're real, um, I- I'm tired of living like this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I, and I said, you know, literally out loud. And, uh, and I heard these words, are you really tired of living like this? Which freaked me out. Wow. And, um, and, you know, he, his presence was in the room so strong um, that I, I, it scared me. You know, and when I say it scared me, it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a, a afraid of God type thing. It was just I, I didn't know how to react because of things I was hearing him speak to me. Mm-hmm. And so I run in my living room and he's bringing up everything, you know, in my life. And he's not bringing it up to condemn me. He's he's really showing me I've already forgiven you for that. Yeah. And my brother-in-law was sitting in a chair. Um, like I said, it was about 530 in the morning drinking coffee and I'm over there crying. I mean, I, I can't talk. I'm just having this crazy encounter about 30 minutes into it. My brother-in-law jumps up 
and and says, I, "I'm going to heaven." Mm. <laughs> and I, you know, and I, I'm in this whole encounter. I'm thinking, "What in the heck's he talking about?" You know, and I mean, what do you mean he going to heaven? Ain't nobody said nothing about God. Ain't nobody done anything. And uh, he he starts repenting to me because I had a had him steal my car, so I could collect insurance on it. And uh, he did some things wrong there. But anyway, he starts repenting to me all these things that he did wrong. And I'm still in my own encounter. Okay. And um, when this was going on, I realized, you know, things that I'd been taught my whole life is, is wasn't accurate. And from that moment is when my whole paradigm shifted. Uh, it, it really became about a relationship with God at that moment right there. And, it, and you know what? It wasn't really about going to a place or not going to a place. It was about a person living with me. I'm encountering the Almighty God right there at that moment. And I, I feel like one of the greatest things that I have an opportunity of doing, and I say this all the time, is, you know, we threaten a people with something that they're living in right now. Yeah. And we threaten them to go into a place when they're looking at you going, I'm living in that place. Yeah. And so when you look at Jesus' teachings, um, the references that he made of outer darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth uh, was not a place after death. It was a place of them missing their opportunity as the Jews. Uh, he said, you know, there'll be ones that will come in and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the children of God will be cast out into outer darkness. Mm -hmm. And what he was talking about is they missed who he was because they wanted to live by the law. They wanted to live by their own agenda and their own ways. Mm -hmm. uh, the good news to that, he said, you know what, I'm going to turn to a people that wasn't even looking for me. Mm -hmm. wasn't, it wasn't searching for me. And so who found who? <laughs> the Gentiles wasn't looking for God. God went after them. And he said, I'm going to use those people to provoke you to jealousy. So even in what he was doing, he was saying, I'm still going to have mercy on you. Even though you've chosen to live by the law, even though you've chosen and missed your visitation and what they would consider, you know, he, that rejecting him, he said, look, I still ain't forgot you. I'm still going to have mercy on you. And I'm going to use these people to show you that I was who I said I was. And that's, that's the incredible uh, ticket to God, man, is, is knowing him. It's not about going to a place. It's what he brings with him when he comes. And you just said something. I just want to make sure we get this clear. But you, when Jesus was talking about people going to a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, you're saying that he was talking to, he wasn't talking about the afterlife to those people. No, he was talking to the Jews. And in those instances, and he would use different scenarios. One of them he used was was the dump outside of Jerusalem An because they knew it dump very well. That was there. Yeah. So in other words, it was outside of Jerusalem. It's where they yeah. dumped their trash. Yeah. And their trash was being burned up twenty four seven. And what he was making reference to is is look, your carnal thinking that you trying to get to God without God. Yeah. Okay. He's making reference. He said that's torment. It's torment within itself. It's torment trying to live by the laws and the regulation of the laws. Mm -hmm. When the person that, that created everything is here and he came to give you life and life abundantly. Mm -hmm. And if you don't accept that life, yeah, you're, you're in that torment. You're in darkness. Mm -hmm. He said, but I'm not going to leave you there it's right. for a season, but I'm not going to leave you there. But he said, I'll make reference to that trash of what you believe, that law that you, what you're trying to live up to. He said, I'm going to burn that up. Mm -hmm. He said, I'll, and matter of fact, he said in one pa passage, he said, Everyone, I sought them with fire. And that fire is his fire to purge them, to purge out the wrong thinking, to purge out the, the, the self-identification of I'm going to be God without God. 
And so that's what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about a place, you know, uh, after you die that he's going to torment you forever and ever and ever and ever. But we use all of those. They say, see, Jesus said it right there. You're going to hell. Mm. Uh, you know, I watched a movie called 310 to Yuma. Uh, pretty good Western. And uh, he was talking with this guy, and the guy says, uh, well, I'll see you in hell. And he had a, pointed a gun at him. He said, you know, the, the moment you pull that trigger, you spring me from hell. Mm. And oh, it shows wow. you what yeah. he was saying. I mean, when living. I first watched that movie, it just it hit me. I thought, that's where most people are living right, right there. You're trying to threaten them with something that they're living in. Right. And, yeah. you know, you don't threaten people that are dead with death. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, hell's the problem, you know, and so you don't use the problem to fix the problem. Right. You know, Jesus said, I come to give life and life abundantly. Where? Not when you die. Mm-hmm. Here now. And so that is, to me, that is the springing of getting somebody out of hell is introducing them to the person to say, hey, man, I accept you. I love you. You know, I want to show you what life is in, in right here, not torment of something after you die. Well, guys, this oh, <laughs> this is the sacred cow, isn't it? Yeah. This is the sacred cow. Religion kind of sits on a three-legged stool. One leg is hell. One, The other second leg would be inerrancy of Scripture, and a third leg would be free will. So when you begin to knock those legs off, the stool doesn't go very well. Truth is, in church we've made we've made the whole message about who goes where. Right. This is what evangelism is all about: who goes to heaven, who goes to hell. And so, um, you know, we've we've made we've made that the message. And as as Darren said, the whole interpretation of Scripture has been a little bit bent on this when you start doing some research. But let's go back to the very beginning. How did this thing come into the church? First three centuries. This was not taught. Yeah, didn't exist. Hell, didn't it, hell was not taught the way, or heaven and hell. Hell was not hell taught. Yeah. taught the way that we teach it. I think in our first session we talked about our good friend Augustine. He's the guy that brought in the whole concept of eternal conscious torment. Then it was that was in that was in the fourth century. Then it was picked up in the, in the fourteenth uh, century by Dante. Dante's Inferno which was a play of a man on a journey through different phases and places in hell. Then it was picked up in 1741 by Jonathan Edwards, who really began to affirm it with sinners in the hands of an angry God. And then along with other reformers like Whitfield and Wesley, along with Edwards, this became the tool of the message of evangelism that they would preach hell to get people to convert to Christianity. So from there, it just kind of became the accepted norm of the church. Nobody challenged it. Nobody asked any questions about it. The word hell does not appear in the Bible. You can take a Strong's Concordance, any concordance you'd like to, and you will not find hell in the Bible. Uh, The word in the Old Testament that was translated hell is the word sheol. It means grave. Its counterpart in the New Testament is Hades. And then Jesus, as Darren pointed out, used the word Gehenna. Gehenna was a garbage dump that was on the outside of Jerusalem. It was where diseased animals, diseased people, uh, soldiers (laughs) killed in war, uh, enemy soldiers were thrown. 
It was a, a fire that never went out. It was full of maggots, worms. And the fire was because they were burning their they trash. They were burning 24/7. the trash. They were yeah. burning bodies. Mm, mm. It was a place no self-respecting Jew wanted to end up. No, no Jew wanted to end up in Gehenna. So that's that's the the illustration. That's what Jesus was was drawing out of. But this has been the this has been the tool of fear that started with the with the reformers. This has been the tool of fear that has brought people to Jesus and has kept people following Jesus. And it's been the tool that the church has been afraid to let go of because the thought is, if we don't have hell, nobody's going to follow the Lord. Nobody's going to live for God if we don't have hell. And I mean, just think about that. Yeah, that this wow. Right, man. Right. And my experience is the more you diminish hell, it, the love for God grows. Yeah, yeah. And in circles that I run in where I've totally, uh, you know, I'm not pastoring anymore, so I don't have to worry about people leaving the church. I just, I don't flat out believe in a Western interpretation of hell any longer. You know, I used to, when I was pastoring, I had to kind of walk a tightrope. You didn't want to come blatantly come out and say you don't believe in hell because then, you know, people that do believe in hell are going to be offended. And they're going to say, well, our pastor, and, you know, it creates great problems. But I, I honestly, I just don't, I, the, it's one of those doctrines that the further I move away from a God of love, the Father that Jesus revealed, eternally, consciously tormenting people in a literal flame of fire. I wouldn't do that to my worst enemy. Right. And then while I'm going to party with other people while people burn and not have any feelings toward them, wow. that's not the God Jesus revealed to me. So I had to come back to thinking somewhere we missed it along the line. So when you begin to do just a simple word study, a historical study, you find out that this thing does not, does not I mean, it just doesn't hold water. It doesn't hold water. But it's a tough one for the church to give up because it's been the premises of evangelism. It's been the premise of our, of our whole belief system that we want to avoid hell and go to heaven. And that's why G- we, we make the whole mission of Jesus about getting us out of one and into the other. And really, in what Darren was saying, and then what you were just touching on when Jesus was talking about Gehenna and speaking to a generation that he's looking in their eyes, he's talking to them. And he, we know his message was the kingdom of heaven is within you. He's right. not talking about going to a, hey, here's my hope. One day you'll die and you can go far away to a heaven that's great. He, he, he taught the kingdom of heaven's in you. Right. So if he's talking about a concept of hell, why wouldn't he be talking about a hell you're living in? Exactly. And wanting to deliver you. Exactly. If he really loves you, if I come to you, Don, and, and yeah. you're going through a hell in your life, yeah. if I really love you, do I want to just save you tomorrow or 20 years from now, or do I want to help you today Exactly. to come out of that? Well, exactly. you gotta, if you're going to spiritualize heaven mm-hmm. in the context of Jesus' teaching, you have to spiritualize hell in the same teaching. Mm-hmm. Because... If he come to bring heaven, the kingdom of heaven, then what is he going to cast out? Mm-hmm. What is the works of the devil, yeah. which would have been hell? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And when you look at that, then if one is casting out the other, then where did that one come in from? Well, pretty easy to go to the garden and see where it came in. Fear, shame, guilt. I mean, tell me someone out there is dealing with you know, a, a devil in a red suit and pitchfork and yeah. No, what, what's tormenting them? It's tormenting right. them is the fear, the shame, the guilt, all the stuff that came in through uh, the knowledge of good and evil. Mm, yeah. That's what caused people to live in hell. Mm. And so if he's coming to bring life, 
okay, and life abundantly, then what is it? That's the other tree that Adam didn't eat of. Mm. And when you switch trees, mm-hmm. one is going to remove the other. Wow. And so, you know, it's like we want to make it all a physical place. So, you know, early in, in, in church, it's what I got was it wasn't nothing about how you live here. Mm-hmm. It was all about when you die. And, right. and literally, when you start dealing with this kind of stuff, that's where people go to. Then who's going to heaven? Who's going to hell? Yeah. That's what it always goes. Then who's going to heaven? Who's going to hell? And I said, well, what about who, who knows Jesus right now? Yeah. What that The whole Bible is an autobiography about a person, and we've made it about two places and an event, mm. heaven, hell, rapture. Mm. You know, And I'm just like, where did we get that? Why, why does it come down to that? Why did he become the ticket? Just not to go to hell. That's yeah. I don't have a relationship with God. Just not to go to hell. Mm. I mean, I don't have. I didn't marry my wife just not to marry someone else. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I married my wife because I love my wife. I enjoy spending time with my wife. I love the relationship I have with my wife. Not so I don't do something else. So if you're loving a God or if you're going after a God just so He doesn't barbecue you, are you really going after Him? Yeah. What's the motivation? Yeah. Are you, are you really following him because you love him, or are you following him out of intimidation Scared and fear? Scared of him, yeah. He did a great whiteboard drawing a week or so ago where you did three circles, and you had heaven, then you had earth with a circle, and hell with a circle. And you, you brought it out well that the whole ball game is about what goes on in the earth. Mm. You know, everybody wants to make it about afterlife, but Jesus didn't come. I, 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 for me, right now where I sit theologically, afterlife is a done deal. Mm. It, it's it's set in stone. It, don't worry about it. What he what he came is to bring us life now, and it's about the life that we're living on the earth and reflecting the glory of God. And I, this reformation that's going on is again, it's it's causing a shift. It's causing a a whole paradigm rethinking in everything that we've we've believed up to this point, which makes it difficult. And this. This is the biggie, because when you take somebody's hell away from them, all of a sudden their whole world is shattered, because that's what they've been living for, is to miss hell and enjoy a uh, resort-style weekend eternally in heaven. Well, you know, I ask people this question, and, and when God started reforming me in everything He's ever reformed me in, He's always started by asking me questions. Mm. And when he asks me a question, I know he's not looking for information. And I know the information I have is not accurate or he wouldn't be asking me a question. Mm -hmm. And so he asked me this question. He said, Darren, what do I command you to do when someone does you wrong? I said, well, you command me to forgive them. Mm -hmm. But yet you believe that if you do me wrong, that I'm not going to forgive you. I'm going to punish you in eternal hell forever and ever and ever. Mm. So if I'm asking you to forgive someone yeah. when they did you wrong, where did you get that forgiveness? Mm. Had to come from me because I'm the higher source. Mm. So if that forgiveness come from me, how can I give anything but forgiveness when someone does me wrong? Yeah. But yet we've switch, switched it. And, and it's it's almost like we've we've done it like, here we have this God that's in love with us and he is love and he's pursuing us. And he tells us how much he loved us. And he gave his only son to die for us. But if we reject him, oh, 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 then I'm going to punish you forever and or ever and ever. hear about him. Yeah. According to some people. You know, and I'm just like, wait a minute. He can't be both. Mm-hmm. 
You, you can't be both. And so what I challenge people on, I say, look, I, I'm not after taking your hell away. If you want it, you keep it. I'm after, I'm challenging you on the character of your God. Because the way I used to believe, and now that I know him better than I ever have before, I'm coming to grips of going, wait a minute. I believe things because somebody told me, not because that's what I got from him. And the more that I start to see his character and his integrity, I'm just going, he's not the God you say he is, man. You know, when, I, when I begin to teach grace, one of the things people would always ask me, say, well, are you saying then that everybody's going to heaven? Yeah. I would get that a lot. And finally, I just would ask people, would you really be angry if we get there and everybody shows up at the party? Right. Are you really going to be upset? Are you going to be mad? <laughs> because no. Yeah, but this is what they're saying, though. And I, I never really understood what they were saying in that, Don, until I yeah. heard a guy say, I don't want to get to heaven and find out the joke's on me. And I'm thinking, wait yeah. a minute, what, what's he talking about? So this is what he, this is what he's saying. He's saying, I don't want to not have done things on the earth that I wanted to do oh, and I didn't do. Wow. But then I got to heaven and there was people there that did all the things that I didn't want to do and they done them and they still made it. Wow. He said, I don't want that. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. That is amazing. But that's the truth. Man. That, that is a true statement right there, man. Well, that that's amazing. See, what grace does, grace exposes your heart. Yes. So what this yeah. guy does is just exposing his heart. Grace doesn't give you a license to sin. It just exposes what's already in you. Because <laughs> you take away the fear of the yeah. punishment. Yeah, it takes and away so the fear like, of the punishment. Here's where you really are. That's who you really are. Yeah. So you're starting to see you for yourself. Yeah. And isn't that maturity? Oh, I yeah. mean, if you look at your children yeah. and you're telling them not to do something mm -hmm. because they're going to get a whipping. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. But then they get to an age and you watch them and they don't do it now, not because they're going to get a whipping. Mm -hmm. But they understand the hurt or the exactly. what it's going to bring. Right. You look at that kid going, "That's my boy. That's maturity right yeah. there." Is you're not doing it because you're afraid of the whooping, and then not only that, you're realizing, "Thank you for saying you're going to whoop me," because that was really putting protection in my life that you really did love me. Right. But right. when you see someone actually making that choice, you're looking at them going, "That's what love looks like." Yeah. You know, and that that's the maturity. And I think in my lifetime, that's what's happening more than anything else is people are maturing right. because they've come out of just listening what the preacher's saying and they're going, I'm hearing this. Yeah. So when we start preaching some of this stuff, I'm telling you, I get text, I get people all the time coming up going, I've been on this for a while. Mm -hmm. God's been speaking to me about yeah. things. <clears throat> so it's happening all over. It's it not going to be able to be stopped. Yes. It's where we're going. Yeah, it is. It's it's what's happening, and but pe because it's so contrary mm -hmm. to what we've called Orthodox Christianity, that nobody really wants to admit until they get some affirmation. Right? They want someone big to get yeah, up and say it, yeah, and, that, that and they this, don't want to be called the heretic. Yeah, yeah, that's what people are afraid of—that they're going to be separated off. People are afraid of being separated from other people. Right. Uh, and being labeled as something and uh, belittled or argued with, they don't want to want to face the opposition. Everybody wants to be accepted, so it, you know God's raising people don't that don't get their identity from the acceptance of other people that are willing to forge forward with this. But the big one I get is, are you telling me that Stalin and Hitler are going to be in heaven? Is that what you're telling me? But it because so what they're really saying is they need to go to hell. Right. They've got it coming. That's what they deserve, which is saying to me that we're back to works-based. 
that you're standing with God is based on what you do or what you don't do, what you believe, what you don't believe, how good you are or how bad you are. And we don't want to look at ourselves and know that if we broke one law, we've broke them all, that we're just as bad as Stalin and Hitler. If you're going to go that law, law route, you're going to have to keep all of them to, to merit it on your own. So that's, you know, grace, people want to put a limit to grace. How good, how, how good can grace really be? How good is God really? So when you start eliminating hell, you're really saying God is unconditional love with no conditions. And who can separate you from that love? Nothing can separate. That's it. Nothing. It's interesting how we, it's the ticket idea. Jesus yeah. is the ticket. Well, there's a song about that. Which one's Jesus that? Jesus is a ticket to heaven. Um, what's the title of that song? That's I used to have two ladies. Day. In, huh? That's before my day. I used to have two ladies in church that sang that song. Yeah. Anyway, it's funny though how we. Okay, so if you if okay, here's this father that loves me, and I can't see him. He's not around. But two thousand years ago, he sent this guy who's his son, I guess, named Jesus, to yeah. die for me and take my sins. But so he sends me someone two thousand years later who I don't know. Someone knocks on my door and says, "Hey." There's this guy 2,000 years ago, Jesus, he died on a cross. If you believe this story I'm telling you right now, and then you say it out loud, guess what? You're in. It's it's very far wow. removed from a reality. It's yeah. like some person I don't know tells me something I've never heard, and I have to believe it. If I don't, I'm condemned. If I do, I'm good. So what if I get someone tomorrow knocking on my door telling me about some green dinosaur that existed 8,000 years ago? I mean, what's the difference yeah, in that context? Yeah. Or a Muslim that shows up and says you need to, to convert yeah. to... to uh, yeah, pick or, the right one. Or yeah. what, about, the right what about the Dark Ages where there were so many people who never even heard the name of Jesus? Where are they at? Uh-huh, exactly. You know, now, what I try to point people to is, one, is I say, look, this is what I can tell you about my God. Mm. Everything about him is redemptive. Mm. And he said he's going to reconcile all things. Now, I don't know what that looks like after death. And, and here's the reality. Who does? He does. Mm -hmm. Now, you can have people say, well, I had this encounter and that encounter. But that's their encounter, okay? But the bottom line is, if he's a redemptive God, then i got to trust him that with Stalin and, and Hitler. What? That's his deal. He's redemptive. Yeah. Now, do I believe there there'll there would be probably some type of redemptive thing, you, you know, with that? A absolutely. Matter of fact, I believe if you don't learn it here, you're gonna learn it up there. Mm. Okay. Um, I don't understand everything about that. All I can do is take it into my life here, yeah. and the hell that I went through in my life here was what I was choosing. But he never gave up. He constantly came after me. I created my own torment, and he was there to deliver me from it from the moment I was like, if you're real. Now, I knew he was real, but the thing is what I was saying is, do you care? Do you really care about me? And when he started showing me he cared about me personally, well, what was keeping him from that in the first place? wasn't him. I look back, and he, he, ever since I was a little kid, I heard his voice. I knew things. It was what I was being taught that separated me from him. He never separated from me. And so when you're threatening me with a hell afterlife and I'm living in it, I, you know what? I'll, I'll put a whole lot of emphasis on what you're saying because I'm tormented now. And, and it feels like how could it get worse? And, and what you just said is, I mean, we 
probably most everyone I've ever talked to about God would say, yeah, he's redemptive. Like he will redeem your life. You come to him and your life might've looked like this, a big mess. But when you come to God and you start letting him be God in your life, he will redeem your life. And he will, the mistakes you made, he has a way of turning it around for good. I mean, most people believe that, but then it's like, once you stop breathing oxygen, we think that stops God's power to be himself, who is a redeeming God, which makes no sense. It's not scriptural. Mm -hmm. Scripturally, it says, what can separate you from the love of God? Mm -hmm. Can life, can death, can principalities, can power? He's saying, there is no limit. Mm -hmm. Man has put limit and said, when you stop breathing, that's it. God never said that. It's, you will not find it in the Bible. Well, we 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 think linearly that there's always a beginning and an end, a start and a finish, but that's not that's not really the way God thinks. God thinks circular. There is no beginning. There is no end. And like it says in, in Romans chapter eleven verse thirty six, it says, "For of Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things." That's a circular. It all comes from Him through him and back to him. There is no beginning and ending. And I, I know Darren, Darren's a, my revelation guy. If I need something out of the book of Revelation, I go, I go to Darren. Darren, in the last chapter of the book of Revelation, we've got people standing outside the gate of the city. Right. We've got all we, the same people that were thrown into the lake of fire, the liars, the adulterers, the fornicate, that were thrown into the pure... I, I now see it as a purification fire. They're now standing outside the gates of the city, and inside the spirit and the bride are saying, "Come on in, yep. drink of the water and, freely." And, and this come is on what he in. and this is what he says: Those that do that, if you're doing that, you yeah. can't come in. You got to yeah. let that go to come in. Wow. <laughs> so I, for me, I think there's a choice to make. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think in this linear any longer that death is the end of the story. Mm. I mean, I believe Jesus is the way. You know, y'all listen to me. I'm not not getting rid of Jesus here, not getting rid of all. I think Jesus is the way, but I don't think death is the end of the story. I think that the gates, it says early in the book of Revelation, that the gates of the city never shut. The gates never close. I think there's always opportunity, and that's that's the love of God to me. It's so we can take this fear out of you've got, you better make a decision right now. I've, look, yeah, I've told you the gospel. If you don't make a decision now, you're accountable. You never hear it again, and you die, you're going to hell. It's basically a gunpoint. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's God holding a gun to your head saying, choose this I mean, it's like, don't. you're right. It's like me putting a gun to your head and saying, give me your money. And then I tell the policeman, he made a free will choice to give me his money. Right. It wasn't, you know, right. he, he did it on his own volition. So the, the gun we're holding to the head is hell. Mm-hmm. We're saying you make yep. a decision or else. Mm-hmm. And is, is, that a, is that a real free will decision or is that intimidation right. and fear? Well, and here's the other thing that it is. Well, you know, God don't send anybody there. You make your own oh, choice yeah. and that's he a, allows that's an old it. And, one. And, and what I tell him, I say, okay, me and my son get in an argument. And he's wrong because, you know, I'm, I'm dead. I'm right, okay? And he's drinking. Mm-hmm. And he, he leaves my house and he has a car wreck. And he's in he's in the ditch. He's bleeding to death. And my neighbor finds him and calls me. And when he calls me, he says, "Look, your son's had a wreck. Um, he, he's down here in the ditch. He needs help now." And I I'm on this side, and I say, "Well, you know what? He deserves it. You know, he didn't agree with me, and he's wrong. <laughs> he made and he's doing decision. things he shouldn't have done. Yeah, just let him die. Well, just let him. <laughs> let, no dad's gonna do that. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd have done been out the door. Yeah. From the time I, you know, and but that's 
That's the thing I tell people. I say, now, that's what you're saying is the character of your God. Yeah. I can't do that anymore. Hmm. I, I can't say that's the character of my God because from everything in relationship with him, that's not his character. Yeah. That's what people's told me of how he is. Be- before I knew about the garbage dump, Gehenna or Sheol and the misinterpretation of words, the revelation of the fatherhood of God sprung it for me. When I began to, to think about what a good father is, you know, and I, I've told Darren, I, I would sit in my office and I would just write down characteristics of a good father. Just keep listening. I'd keep the pad and I'd think of some more. I'd write them down. I mean, he's always a provider. He's, you know, just so many things. And then my father in heaven is even better than that. So how could how could I reconcile him toasting me forever if I make one wrong decision in the 70 years that I live here? Well, for me, it's more than that now. But if I make a bad decision for my lifetime, make an eternity of gazillions of eons of time, and it just have started of torture. Well, let me say this, and this is what got me to thinking, too. I mean, I've and I've rolled this around for years, but we brought up Hitler and Stalin. We bring up these people that, you know, they've done atrocious things with, without a doubt. And number one, if you've ever tormented yourself, can you imagine what torment they went through? Mm. I mean, there's no way you could do what they did without being tormented. Mm. Okay. But let me tell you what you're saying about my God. What you're saying is Stalin and Hitler, Hitler are nothing yeah, to be compared <laughs> to who our God is because God's going to take billions and billions of people yeah. wow. and put them in this inferno and put worms on them mm. and barbecue them forever and ever and ever. Mm. But you're saying you don't want to forgive Hitler and Stalin, but you want to serve of God that what they did in comparison is not even close mm-hmm. At least what Stalin and Hitler did, there was death to it. Mm-hmm. These, this is no end. Mm-hmm. No end of this torment of billions and billions of people, of babies. Because yeah. a lot of people are saying, oh, you yeah. know, babies are going too. You know? Calvinists believe that. You know, Muslim babies are going. Yeah. So, so, and then you're going, and this is the guy I'm supposed to love. So if that is God, when we get up there, because, you know, we're going to make it, right? How does he enjoy anything? Right. With that memory. Wow. Does he just decide I'm not going to be God there and I'm not going to remember what I'm doing to them forever and ever and ever? Right. I mean, somewhere we just we just got to take it back to what is the character of our God? Because, I mean, even David wrote, if I make my bed in Sheol, yeah. there He's you there. are. So if that's the God that's burning people, billions of people for eternity, he's there experiencing that, apparently. If he's omnipresent, there's yeah. no place that he can't be. Yeah. Right. You know, and we talked about you know the first three hundred years. You know, the Jews didn't didn't believe in hell. Mm. They didn't believe in the hell that we we teach. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah, not at all. Still, you know, and, and that's why mm-hmm. they you know part of what they're doing and, and how they're doing it. Um, you, you're not going to threaten them and scare them with hell because they're like, right. no, no, we don't believe in that stuff. Yeah. You know. Uh, so let me tell you a little, and I know we, we've hit this already, and I just thought, well, you know what, I'm going to throw this out there. Um, I had a spiritual encounter the other night, and um, in this encounter, um, I, I knew I was in another realm, and it, and it shocked me because I had met different people um, 
but I knew I was about to meet somebody I wasn't ready for, mm-hmm. that, that, that I wouldn't have considered a hero in the faith or, you know, somebody I would have, quote, wanted to meet. Um, and, and I looked over, and, and it was Absalom. Mm-hmm. And he spoke to me. He said, I'm going to show you something. And I thought, you know, because, you know, your mind of what Absalom did and who yeah. he was and his arrogance and, you know, even how he died with his, you know, hair stuck in a tree and, you know, the, the whole thing, how he hated David and David was, had a heart after God. And, and if you really study that, you know, he was really offended because his brother raped his sister and David didn't. David wasn't a good father. And he didn't deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, and Absalom basically ticked him off. And, and then Absalom started listening to people. And, uh, and you know, because you know he loved his father, but he, he shifted. And uh, and he basically started saying, you know, I'm better than David. I, I need to, to run the kingdom, not my dad. And, and so anyway, in this process, he said, I want to show you something. And he said, but it's not what you think. Now, that was my encounter. And like I said, um, my belief system is going to come through my encounters, which in this scenario, it's hard for my belief system to come through it because I had the wrong belief system, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, but I saw some things that definitely wasn't what I would consider the way it was going to happen, mm-hmm. and um, and and this is how it felt, I, you know, because feelings are so much in the midst of these encounters. But the feeling I had was almost like Absalom had been through this, mm-hmm. and that he had he had been reconciled by going through this process and some things that I saw in this realm, and um, and I and I'll just tell you this: it is definitely not what we've been taught. It is not that spiritual torment of fire mm. 24-7 where worms are. Okay? So you're saying in your encounter it was like a hell. It, that that's were... what he said. He said, I'm going to show you hell. Yeah. And what he showed me was nothing like what we, you know, Dante's Inferno and the burning and then, you know, because, because you know, and, and, and it's what I always used to think. And, and if you look at Scripture, Jesus went to hell. We know that. Mm. People say hell or people say, well, he went and preached to those in prison. And I used to have this mindset. Well, if people are burning in prison or in, in hell with worms, I don't care what message that you preached. Mm. If it can get me out of here, I'm with you. Right, right. And I used to think, how does that work? How how could he go in and deliver anybody? And well, people say, well, you know, you don't know if he delivered them or not. I go, well, then why did he go in there? Mm. Yeah. If he couldn't be delivered, why go preach to somebody? Just for show or what? Just, you know, I mean, why even put that in the Bible? Right. And so we know he went to paradise. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. And we know he went and preached to those that were in prison. So what's he preaching to them? Hmm. Hey, guys, y'all missed it. You were wrong. You were born at the wrong time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I come now. Now I'm going to save people, but not y'all. Y'all just, sorry, you missed it. But I, I had to tell you who I was and what I did on the cross, even though it's not going to benefit you at all. There's no way he did that. So somewhere I've got to go, wait a minute, what did he go there and do? You know, and, and if he went there to do it and he and he's 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 gonna be the redeemer of all mankind, and he died and, and he says, you know, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men. That means anybody that's ever lived. So wait a minute, you got people in hell. How can he draw them? Uh oh, we got a problem now. Because if we believe he did what he said he did, then that means he's saying, I got the power to pull people out of hell. Yeah. And then if he went there and preached to them, then what'd he go do? He went to get them out of it. So I'm telling you, these things are now, you're starting to see the character of your God going, wait a minute, we, we, nobody's taught on this stuff. Mm-hmm. They just, we just believe what we were told. And what's caused us to challenge it is now we're experiencing a God that we go, there's no way. 
And it's like Pastor Don said, if we go back, they were too. It's just a progression of it. You look at Jonathan Edwards, a, sin, a sinner's in the hand of an angry God. Guess what? Most of the church would call that heresy today. They do not see God as angry. Yeah. You know, and so you see the progression of the church and where we have come to, mm-hmm. and what we have come out of, mm-hmm. and and I believe we're we're in the time of the manifested sons of God. Yeah, we are. That's where we're at, and it, and as that starts happening, it, it's going to shift things like they have never been shifted. It's even going to shift the natural yeah. world. You know, I just think God God's better. Think about it like this: there's six billion people that approximately live on the planet today. Out of the six billion, there's two billion that are Christians. Mm-hmm. Out of the two billion that are Christians, one billion are Roman Catholics, okay. which evangelical Christians would say, well, they're not saved anyway. Right. So we've got one billion out of six billion that would be saved, which means which means that God has a batting average of 0.166. <laughs> Right. A, a, a batting average of .166 will not keep you in the big leagues. No. I got to believe that God's batting average is better than 166, yeah. don't you? I mean, wow. come on well, now. Well, not only that, let's go to the heart of it. Let's just let's go to God's heart, okay? So you're God. And at the heart of God, he's going to create these beings in his image and his likeness. Yeah. But 8 out of 10 of them, he's going to persecute and torture forever. And he's got to know that ahead of time. Exactly. Before he gets into the creation And business. so it's 8 out of 10. And so we're saying 8 out of 10. So when you put it in the billions, yeah. you're going 80% of what you created, you created them to punish them. Right. Forever right. and ever and ever. Right. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's the heart of your God? I got to tell you. That's not like my dad. Me, as an individual, I would raise my hand and say, hey, don't create me. No, if Joe. Exactly. No, Joe. have to fry. Well, don't even like give if, me the chance. If I would say that, why wouldn't? Why is am I better than God? The, the lady that drowned her five children several years ago here in Houston, she was a, a Christian lady, drowned her five kids, and the reason she did it was to make sure that they would go to make heaven. Make it to heaven. Wow. Yep. So if you, in the long run of things... For eternity, that lady made a good choice, if you're going to believe that, because she saved those kids for eternity. Well, that's what we used to say, you know, is yeah. to say, look, if, if this is the thinking of our dad, then us preachers ought to carry a gun, and as soon as somebody accepts Jesus, shoot them. Shoot them, yeah. Kill them right there. Make sure they're going to make it to heaven. Why, not just, why not just kill all of the newborns? <laughs> well, we why, can do that, too. Why not? Why not mandate abortion? Why right. wouldn't that be the threat? As sick as that yeah, sounds, as, as, yeah. If you if you have that theology, abortion is a good thing because that that oh, child yeah, is yeah yeah. Let's forever. flip it. Why, why are we so against abortion if all those babies are going to make it to heaven? Right. If that's our case, that's oh a lot goodness, better, man. Because that's eternity. No, absolutely. You know, yeah. Bring them here, and there's a good chance they ain't going to make it. You'd have Christian abortion clinics rather than Christian hospitals or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So really what we're saying is we they really don't believe that. No, they really absolutely. believe life is something worth living, yeah, Right. and there's a reason. You're and right. that is the heart of our God. Don, you said something a couple weeks ago. You wrote this thing on Facebook I saw where you said, if you believe, maybe you can say it better, but if, if you believe that you're going to, that unless you, you know what I mean, uh, unless someone prays the prayer, and you're not out there with your hair on fire like a oh, madman. Oh yeah, evangelism. You know? I said. Yeah. I said if you really believe that people are going to hell that don't pray the prayer, you'd be out there running the streets like a man with his hair on fire. You wouldn't be working a job. You wouldn't be watching television. You wouldn't be doing anything if you actually believe that. 
you'd at least go after your family like oh. that. At least your family. Mm-hmm. If nobody else, you would not be going on vacations and enjoying time if you believed any of your family at any moment is going to die and go into a place of eternity mm-hmm. and be tortured forever and ever. Well, I mean, we're ashamed of if we believe that theology, we're ashamed of it, which is evidenced by the fact nobody wants to witness about it. It's it's, it's a very embarrassing thing to go exactly. and say, you know what, let, man, I feel pressure. I mean, I remember sitting on an airplane next to people and going, I really need to find out if they have mm-hmm. accepted Jesus because their blood is going to be on my hands because I'm sitting next to them. And I would, you know, you try to witness to somebody, but it's a very embarrassing thing to try to bring somebody to a point of decision right then to close the sale to make sure they're going to heaven. Yeah. So there's just something even within our nature that goes, this is repulsive. So this is this is don't. not right. We don't believe it. No, we don't. Like as a whole, we don't. No. It's, well, it's, it's the same yeah. spirit as the rapture. We don't believe that either. Because mm-hmm. if we did, we wouldn't have a 401k. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be sending our kids to school, mm-hmm. to college, to prepare them for the future. Because we're not going to be here. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. But we've been conditioned that as long as I'm okay, my wife, my kids, us four no more, yeah. then okay, we're, we're good. So to kind of wrap this up, but spin it on a little bit of a positive, uh, <laughs> you know, well, I think, I think, you know, we're on the same page in, in a sense of, I'm not interested in saving people from a hell by convincing them to pray a prayer. But what I am interested in, and I think you guys are too, absolutely, is sharing a, a wonderful life that I've been able to experience of a God that did chase me down. Like he, I didn't go, I didn't go running after him. He came running after me. And that's been, that has changed my whole life for the better, for sure. And I think there is a lot of validity. So I don't get upset with people that, you know, think different than I do, believe different than I do, and go around and and preach their message or whatever. If they're introducing people to a God that is love and loves them, hey, that's cool. Because it's his deal with the individual, not my deal, to make sure that they believe it just right so that they get through his, his tight window of... Of qualification. When, when this one topples, I'll put a positive spin. When this one topples, when this hell thing topples, you're going to see an exponential love for the Father explode in our culture because there's nothing left to fear. Perfect love will have casted out the last bit of fear, and the Father will begin to shine through in all of his glory and wonder, and we will see him as he is. It's wonderful. Life swallows up death. Yeah. You know, that's why I, when I take people back to the beginning. He says, uh, you know, I'm going to show you the history of the heavens and the earth. Mm. So we got heaven there. We got earth there. Right. I can't find hell. In the creation, I can't find no, it. You can't find Which day did he create hell? Exactly. I, I never see where he's created that. <laughs> uh-uh. We're we're exploring here, but imagine this. This I just had this thought. Okay, so if there's no hell in the in the beginning of creation, but there is, we know on Earth we see people going through hell. There's a, but but he uses all that in like what you're saying in a redemptive way. So Always what redemptive. if beyond all this experiential stuff, what if everyone does get to a place where there's no hell left? It's just been swallowed up. Maybe that's why it's not so important to put it in there on equal terms with heaven because it's all just a process of getting all that nonsense swallowed up by a good God who could foresee all that. Yep. Well, if if it really is the good news, then somewhere we got to determine how good is that good news? Mm. Where's the bad? Mm. Yeah. There's no bad news in the good news. There you go. Wow. It's quite a, quite a, I I bet we get a few text or emails on this one. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to leave our contact information (laughs) off of this one. No, I'm just messing. Okay. That's been fun, gentlemen. 
thanks for hanging out and talking about this stuff. All right. Great. All right, we'll do it again. We hope you're enjoying these episodes of Let's Explore because we're having a lot of fun making them. If you'd like to connect with Don or Darren, check the description of this podcast episode for links to their websites. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, just hit the little subscribe button. That way you'll get notified every time we come out with a new episode. You can also connect with us and send direct messages to us on Facebook at Let's Explore Podcast. Next time on Let's Explore, I have the wonderful privilege of hanging out with my very good friend, Michael Graham. Michael is based out of Brooklyn, New York. He's a world traveler. He has his own clothing line, and he has a wonderful perspective on life, living, and creativity. And here's a clip of what's coming up next time on Let's Explore. Because we're going to spend our time doing something. We're gonna, we're going to, that's what's going to happen. We are going to spend our time doing things in life. Might as well do the things that, that have passion and have life and have love and have beauty in them. Might as well do those things.